Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. We are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? I'm great, Ted. How are you? Uh, Well, my tongue's a little tied this morning, so hopefully I can untie that before our guest comes on in the second half. But uh, other than that, I'm doing really well. Um, Cindy, before we start, let me just remind everybody, of course, that this broadcast is live uh, every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And we've got a, a number of ways that you can tune in. Obviously, you can go to blogtalkradio.com, and up in the search key, you can type in Women of Golf. And from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday mornings, we, of course, are live. Um, but if you can't join us live, you can scroll down on that page. And uh, in the on-demand section, all of our previously aired shows, including today, uh, you can find there in their entirety, as, of course, they are all auto-recorded. Uh, you can also go to iTunes or Stitcher.com, and under the podcast section, you can type in, again, Women of Golf, and that will take you there as well uh, if you choose to listen under those mediums. Um, always would love to hear from you. You're welcome to call in during our live broadcast. The number to call is area code 347-945-5855. Uh, and we always would love to hear from you by email as well. You can reach out to either Cindy or I, at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, or my email is Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. But we want to take this opportunity, and thank you for, uh, for tuning in live this morning with us. Uh, we got a great show. Uh, Cindy, we're going to be wrapping up your Own Your Game Light, as we've called it, uh, series, uh, which is just a shorter version of your overall series, uh, with part three this week. And uh, that's going to be uh, talking about the mind control and, and also mental preparation. We'll talk about that. And then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be joined by our very special guest, uh, Catherine Roberts. Of course, she's the founder and president of Yoga for Golfers. And we'll tell you a little bit more about her uh, as we get closer to that time. But Cindy, you're on the road right now. Where are you headed? I am going to help someone's golf game. So I've got to go give a well, lesson. That's- Oh, very good. So, Cindy's on her way to the lesson tee, so um, if you want to get help with your game and you're in uh, Cindy's area, you can certainly, again, reach out to her at cindy at cindymillergolf.com. All right, Cindy, let's uh, let's talk about, let me me just do a real quick recap uh, of the the first two parts, just for those that maybe missed that, uh, you want to make sure, as I said, you go back uh, and listen to those shows and uh, you get a little bit of an idea of what we've been talking about in this series. But the first series of course, was sort of looking back and taking stock. So um, as we roll into the off-season for some, this is a time to reflect, to, to look at what we did well and maybe what still needs some work and, and, and really do an honest assessment of yourself and, and decide what you're willing to do to improve your golf game. 
Then in part two, which was last week, we talked about uh, seeking professional help. And, um, you know, do you need help? Uh, do you have a mentor or a coach or, or some guidance? And we talked about the swing uh, and its skill acquisition and, and becoming a better ball striker and things like that. So more of the physical part of the game, if you will. And then this week, we're going to talk about mind control and mental preparation. And the first one, Cindy, uh, on that uh, category is obviously talking about the head, mind management and thought control. Share a couple, a, a few thoughts about that and why that is important. Well, that your mind is your control tower, so you can't swing the club unless you tell yourself to swing the club. So you need to know exactly what your process is, and it might be different for everyone depending on your behavior style, what motivates you to action, and what your learning style is. So the more you know about yourself, first, that's almost like a prerequisite. You need to know who you are, how you think, what motivates you, and what your learning style is, and then you can develop a pre-shot routine and a process to produce, you know, successful golf shots. Yeah, and and you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, this is an area, I think, more so than the physical side of the game, and, and, I, and I'm sure you would agree with this. I think this is an area of the game that really hinders most amateur golfers as they get too much going on in the head and ultimately end up affecting the rest of their game. And I'll give you an example. You know, you get somebody that stands up on the first tee and the first thing they're thinking about is all the trouble that they see out there. They're thinking about the people that might be standing around, maybe the the group behind that's following them. Um, uh, you know, they see the marshal over there perhaps, uh, and, and they're a little bit nervous because he's tapping his foot there waiting for them to tee off and so that they can keep the, the flow of the, of the course moving. So there's a lot of things um, that creep in, and people don't want to look bad uh, on the golf course, so the nerves start creeping in. And this is something that the mind kind of plays tricks on. Would you agree with that, Cindy? Absolutely. I'm not sure that people are aware of their own personal thoughts. So mm-hmm. step number one would be, you know, what am I thinking right now? And is this helping or hindering me? So am I paying attention right. to the task at hand? Um, if we were to be inside of any tour player's brain and could hear their thoughts, they would say, okay, this is a dog like right. There's a bunker on the right side. I'm going to aim down the left side of the fairway. What's my intermediate target? They walk behind the ball. They step in. They're always focused on the task at hand, and they're thinking about what they're doing while they're doing it. They're not thinking about, oh, if I do this and I do that or I'm three under par and i got to be careful, and, you know, all those other conversations aren't going on. They know how to turn it on and turn it off. And I think if most amateurs could learn their own personal process, that their scores would go down even if they hit it not so good. So you can lower your score just by thinking better. Yeah, and and that's a great point. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, that, you know, if you really notice, um, and, and Cindy, obviously you're a tour player, so you've been out there and you've had to go through this process. But I think one of the other things, too, is it's not that the pros aren't aware of what hazards or what troubles may lurk uh, on any given hole, it's that they don't focus on that. They do a quick assessment as they come up to the hole, they know what's there, and they formulate a game plan, or they may already have a game plan of how, if, especially if it's a course they've played with, with some familiarity, 
um, they already know how they want to play that hole. So as you said, they focus on the task at hand, and they're not sitting there thinking about that fairway bunker out there or the creek that crosses the middle of the fairway about whether they should hit over it or hit short. They already know in their mind, they've already made that decision, and that becomes part of their pre-shot routine is doing that quick assessment and then preparing themselves for whatever shot might be needed. Um, would that be fair, accurate, and assessment? Absolutely. So they acknowledge trouble, and I call mm-hmm. it acknowledging stupid. You know, where would stupid right. fall? And they don't <laughs> give it any power because your brain doesn't hear a negative. So if you say to yourself, don't go in the bunker, you jerk, your brain just heard go in the bunker, you jerk. So they acknowledge right. where the trouble is, and then they play to the safe zone, if you will. Um, and, and depending on their behavior style, like high D personality might only need a 50-50 chance of pulling off a risk, whereas a high F person would need maybe a 70-30 chance of pulling off a high risk to try to carry a bunker. They're very aware of what they're doing. They know what they can do, you know, that what kind of shots they can produce. They have a very keen awareness of their skills and talents. And then they make a clear decision, and then they commit to that decision. So they're never saying, don't hit it in the bunker. Now, you can see on live telecast when guys back away and they might look at a person in the gallery, sometimes they might be pretending that someone distracted them, when in reality they could be hearing the gerbil in their head talking about trouble or not focusing on the task at hand. They stop, they reset, and focus, and then they proceed to produce a shot. So absolutely, you have to acknowledge where the trouble is, and then you have to play away from. So it's always got to be a positive. I'm going to hit it here rather than I'm not going to hit it there. Yeah. Yeah, and and another a great point that you raise is um is they because they know what their skills or their abilities are, they also know their limitations. And if they, you know, Nick uh, Jack Nicholas, you know, used to talk about how when he came to a hole that didn't fit his eye, you know, he knew how to play. He played that hole differently than he would a hole that, you know, that he was looking at like a T-bone steak, um, you know, he would think in his mind, okay, I know that if I can get away with the par, I'm going to be happy with that. I'm not going to try anything uh, too aggressive here because this hole doesn't fit my eye. So he knew what his limitations were when he came up to that hole, and he knew what he had to do in order to get through to the next hole. So he capitalized on the holes that he knew uh, he had the greatest chance of success on, and he played much more conservatively uh, on a hole um, that, as I said, didn't fit his eye. And that's extremely important. And a lot of players, uh, especially our amateur golfers, as you said, you know, don't really, they get caught up in all of the, the hyperbole that goes on through their mind. And, and this really goes to the, the second point here, Cindy, and that is the body does what the mind tells it. You know, if you're filling your head with all of this um, drama and, and all of this anxiety, your body is naturally going to react to that. And, and you've, I know you've already stated that, but talk a little bit more uh, of the importance about really keeping a clear mind and not letting it get cluttered uh, with, with all kinds of uh, anxiety and, and, uh, and issues. 
Uh, talk a little bit more about that, if you wouldn't mind. Well, again, I think it depends on your history. Um, so many people add up their score. And when you mm-hmm. add up your score, and you're, then you're playing protect, and you're not in the present moment. So, again, you need yep. to know what your skills and talents are, what your limitations are. And let's say somebody wants to shoot under 95 every time they play golf. Well, right. clearly, that's just, it's, it's having 13 bogeys <coughs> and five doubles. You know, and yep. if sometimes they don't think clearly enough to say, oh, well, I could do that. Okay, why don't you do that? Because you're not staying focused on the task at hand. You're either remembering a past failure or you're trying to produce a future and you're not staying in the present. So you have to know that if you if you ask 10 tour players what it felt like when they played their best round of golf, they would probably tell you they really had no idea what they were shooting. And they were so right. focused on each each shot and they got done and it seemed easy and you know, fluid, whatever kind of word you want to use, and then they added it up. They were like, whoa, that was, I can't believe I just shot that. So you need to know that playing real well, everybody would like to say, oh, I'd like to shoot 65 every day. Well, that doesn't happen. So I would ask or research, you know, I would Google that. What did tour players say after they shot the best round of their life? What what did they think? What were they feeling? You know, there's the proof. And if you can emulate that at all, you're going to play better. Yeah, it, I would rather a player emulate that than try to emulate the tour player swing um, because we are all, as you know, Cindy, we're all uniquely different. And more players uh, are apt to try and emulate a, a tour player that they see. And that doesn't mean, you know, if you're a similar build or a similar height, you might have certain uh, similar characteristics in your swim, mechan- swing mechanics. But... I would rather them, as you just said, I would rather them emulate, um, you know, how they handle themselves on the golf course and how, you know, how their minds are working and what they're thinking about when they get off the golf course. You know, an interesting point too, Cindy, um, that, you know, if you notice at most tour events and you listen to the players, um, you know, a lot of times they'll interview them, of course, after the round. And most of the players will say the same thing. They don't look at the scoreboard. Um, occasionally they might glance up, but they're not following that scoreboard all the way around to see, you know, where they're at or who's leading or, or how many, you know, positions back they are because that's going to be to their own detriment. Because if, again, like you said, racking up the score, I mean, I don't know how many players I've played with where they'll keep score and they want to know hole by hole where they're at because they're trying to shoot a certain number. And, you know, coming into the last three holes, an example, they, they think to themselves, well, i got to shoot bop, 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 bop you know, whatever, uh, to break, as you said, 95 or break 90 or even 100. And all of a sudden anxiety starts creeping in because, as you, as you said, they now get into protect mode and they're not really playing uh, fluidly or, or in a comfortable um, moment. They're thinking about, well, I've got to shoot this. And then when they don't shoot the score on, the, on that hole, then the anxiety intensifies on the next hole because now they've got to maybe make up a stroke or two in order to hit their target. So I think the best advice I would give for a player is go out there, focus on the individual tasks for each hole, each shot, and forget about the score and add it up when you get to the 19th hole 
and and maybe have a drink or two or or, or a, a bite to, to eat at the end of the round and and add it up then and forget about what your score is during the round and I think you'll have a mo- much more success. Um, you know, Cindy, another part of this is not just a thought process, but also uh, how our emotions um, are affected uh, emotionally. You know, we are very emotional creatures by habit. And if our head is getting cluttered all the time with with thoughts that are not going to be conducive to playing good golf, it's going to affect our emotions. We're going to be down. We're going to be angry and frustrated. Um, This is an area, too, that a lot of professionals um, have had to learn, and that is to control their emotions. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, again, it goes back to being aware of what you're thinking and saying to yourself. So you need to know that when you're trying too hard to control something and you're not focused on the task at hand, the little gerbil in your head's going to go, oh, see, you do that all the time. Then you're going to try to defend yourself. Then you're going to get all wigged out. Then you're going to start breathing fast. Then you're going to start sweating. And then your muscles are going to lock up. And then you can't swing. So it's like a downward spiral, and it all starts with a little doubt or apprehension. And when that happens, you are done. So, again, being very aware of it will help you a lot. i I got to say one thing. One thing that really bothers me about some golf instructors is they're always telling people what they're doing wrong, and they're trying to make them – look like tour players as you said you know try stop trying yeah. to make your swing look like a tour player and start thinking like a tour player and and some of the stuff with all this technology with TrackMan and and i know that myself if i were to focus on my numbers and how bad my numbers are that that is not doing yep. anything to help my confidence and then i feel like oh my god you're old you can't do this this is ridiculous Right. And the chatter in my head is not going to help me. So I would urge our listeners to find someone who believes in you. Who And I don't want to say a fake cheerleader, but no. you need positive thoughts. And you need to know that I got news for you. I can help anybody make a half swing and hit the ball straight down the fairway if they're willing to do that. And they will yes. shoot better, especially if we teach them how to think. So yeah, that's I know. the pet peeve of mine. You get all these things in contraptions stuck on somebody, and you can't play golf with your left brain. You've got to play golf with your right brain. And if you know, you're paying all this money to go get all this technology, and I don't believe you're going to get results. It's only going to confuse you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And, and, you know, there is a place, uh, certainly for technology, it does help, but you're, you're exactly right. If you're getting caught up in all the numbers all the time, and um, anybody, even the best of the players at times, would be depressed if, if they focused on the numbers all the time. And, you know, Cindy, you know, we, we've talked about here really some of the things and how we can be affected. But let's just take a moment or two, if we can, and talk about what a player should be. Let's take our amateur player. He's driven up to the golf course. He's warmed up. He's hitting pretty good. And he's now made his way for the first tee. So what should be going through his or her mind as they step up to the first tee? What should they be thinking of? We've already talked about what they shouldn't be doing. 
what should they do in order to help start that round off uh, in the best possible manner? Well, again, it depends on the hole and their shot pattern. So let's say they fade the ball or they slice it, and uh, it's a dog leg left, and there's trees on the corner. Um, they've got to stop and say, okay, where should I aim and start this ball so that it has the freedom to go to the right, and that slice will put me in the center of the fairway. They also have mm-hmm. to be very aware of what if they don't slice it and they hit the dreaded straight shot when they're anticipating a fade. <laughs> right. So they need to aim it probably right at the corner. So if they hit it straight, they're fine. If they fade it a little bit, they're in the middle of the fairway. And if they fade it a lot, they're in the right rough. So all three right. possibilities give them a shot at the green. Yeah, you're exactly right. No, that's perfect sense. Uh, And I'm just going to add something else to it as well, Cindy, and that is the other thing that a lot of uh, amateur players make the the biggest mistake is they automatically reach for the driver when they're coming up to the first tee. They think that's the club they need to hit with. And even taking your example, Cindy, um, the driver might not be the best play, depending on how long the hole is they might need to ratchet it back and maybe hit a, a fairway wood or even a hybrid club off the tee because if the hole is a shorter hole, they don't want to run it through the fairway and, and not only get in the, in the rough, but maybe uh, get into other trouble. Maybe there's some trees on the other side. So knowing your yardages as well when you come up there, understanding the distances, and more importantly, noting the, the distances that you're hitting your clubs is, is critical because that's going to make – uh, part of your decision-making process as well. So, uh, you know, in, in addition to what you said, Cindy, I think also understanding that it's okay sometimes to not grab for the first club in the bag, um, to think about it a little bit, you know, as you're walking up there and saying, okay, I know this hole, I've played it before, um, I know that I'm going to hit my driveway or my driver through that fairway, so maybe I need to choose a different club. And sometimes it might be as I said, it could be a hybrid. It could be. Uh, it might even be a, a longer iron, uh, just to get yourself in position. And yes, I know it's a dog leg, but I would rather be in good position than to block it out or to, as you said, you hit that dreaded straight shot because you've aimed too far to the left, and now you're in the woods, and now you're in a hole. You've you've started that round off uh, in, in a miserable context. So you want to make sure that you make smart choices. Uh, and that adds into also your pre-shot routine is your pre-thought routine is how you handle yourself uh, when you get to the first tee. And then you'll find if you take those steps that we're suggesting that your overall round will be much more enjoyable because you'll be, instead of thinking about all the trouble, now you're making conscious decisions and smart decisions like the pros do. And we would rather you play like the pro uh, in your thought process than as we pointed out earlier, than trying to match your swing to look like, uh, you know, your favorite player on tour. Um, any final thoughts on that, uh, Cindy? I totally agree. And, and one more thing that I would add is I would challenge yourself, again, depending on where you are, if you're going out to play golf today, I would say, okay, what is one goal that I commit to that I can control all day long? Yes. So you can't control what you shoot. 
You can't control every swing. So maybe it's I'm going to make sure that I think for 35 seconds, I plan and I produce the best shot I can at the time all day long. So you might need a little anchor to jar you. You know, you're walking down the fairway. It's time to hit your second shot. Oh, wait, what are we doing now? Okay, we got 155. It's uphill. The wind's in our face. It's playing about 170. What club do I hit 170? Is there a bunker in the front? There's a bunker in the front. Play at 180. So if I miss it, I'm still on the green. Walk back behind. Pick on an intermediate target. Step up. Swing. Boom. Next. So if you did that yep. and you focused on each shot during a whole round, I guarantee you're going to play better. Yeah. And, and also, too, uh, just another uh, thought, too, Cindy, and we've talked about this before on the show, is in between shots, especially if you've got to walk up the fairway a little ways, um, you know, you don't have to be necessarily thinking about the next shot. Uh, you know, you can think about anything. Maybe you've got grandchildren. You can think about them a little bit. Sometimes you have to take your mind out of the game a little bit um, just to alleviate the pressure uh, and then when you get up to your, your ball and you've assessed it again, then you can re-engage in the task at hand. But sometimes you have to give your mind a little bit of a break because, as we've talked about before, Cindy, nobody can keep focused 100% on their golf game for four and a half hours, which is you know, a typical round, um, because otherwise they're just going to get so uh, discombobulated that they're, they're just gonna, the, the pressure is just going to mount and they're not going to be able to, to successfully navigate the golf course because they're constantly in that golf mode. And sometimes you just have to, you know, as I say, walk around and smell the flowers a little bit uh, and, and have some fun. Enjoy your round. Make it a pleasurable experience and not just, um, you know, fin- uh, fist clenched and, and uh, you know, knuckles white, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So um, food for thought. Great, uh, great discussion this morning, uh, as always, Cindy. All right, we got our very special guest waiting here in the wings, so let me bring her uh, on board and, and let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's uh, been on the show before and she's uh, been a guest on uh, Golf Talk Live, uh, not only as a guest, but also on the Coach's Corner panel as well as here on the Women of Golf Show. Of course, I'm talking about Catherine Roberts, uh, the founder and president of Yoga for Golfers. Uh, she's also uh, president for uh, Yoga for Baseball and also Roberts uh, Kinetic Yoga for Sports. Uh, she's a certified yoga instructor for over 20 years. Uh, she's TPI, FMS, and NG360 certified, educated in PRI, and also a Nike Swoosh Elite Athlete and advisory staff member for the Great Institute, uh, Applied Functional Science and Chain Reaction Biomechanics. A uh, lot in the, her accolades here and just a great young lady and uh, certainly an asset to this uh, sport. So let's welcome Cindy, our very special guest this morning, Catherine Roberts. Good morning. Good morning, you two. <laughs> what are you How are you doing, to? Catherine? I hear you're having a little bit of fun today. Oh, my goodness. Well, we are having so much fun right now. We are smack dab in the middle of an eight-day Yoga for Golfers certification program. It's level one and level two, and it's, you know, it's been great. It's really great to be able to, you know, share our methodologies and, you know, from the physical perspective and the, and the psychological and coaching perspective with, with our students because then they take it out and they teach it to other people, which is Always a blessing. That's what we're about, right? Spreading, spreading the word and helping to change the game. Absolutely. Well said. Um, let me just start by saying, uh, uh, Catherine, obviously welcome to the show, but 
just for the for the benefit of maybe some of those that aren't familiar with your program, just tell us a little bit about uh, Yoga for Golfers, um, how you sort of came up with that. Obviously, I know you've been involved with yoga for a long time, um, but sort of how that came about and really what's the premise behind it? Well, how it came about was um, based on my own experience of taking up yoga as a golfer. I've been a golfer my whole life. And um, I was playing to about a 28, and I got um, hooked up with a woman. Um, I was out playing as a single, and she was a five handicap. And I thought, I started talking to her, and I thought, well, what is she doing? Uh, and she was a yoga instructor, and this was 18 years ago. Well, you know, 18 years ago, yoga wasn't on every street corner the way that it is today. And uh, at the right. time, I had a corporate job, and I was in sales, but I was always involved in fitness and group fitness. And, you know, I've played every sport in my life. And um, I took up yoga and my handicap went from a 28, 26 to 28, basically down to a 16 very, very quickly. Well, I fell in love with yoga so much, I quit my corporate job. Well, I live out in Scottsdale uh, in the winters in Vancouver, Canada in the summers. And I was teaching traditional yoga at all of these golf courses in North Scottsdale. Well, my students were coming back to me and saying, you know, my back doesn't hurt anymore when I play. Um, I have much better focus. I'm hitting the ball further than I've ever hit it in the past. And I said, oh, I'm going to develop a program called Yoga for Golfers. And that was 17 years ago. I started in 2000. Uh, fast forward, we now have certified instructors in 30 countries. You know, I've authored two wow. books. Uh, we have infinite amounts of digital media, you know, for sale for people to use at home. We have classes going on all over the globe. And, um, you know, my, my intention of creating it was to, A, bring the gifts of yoga to a demographic of people that won't normally walk into a yoga studio, which is why all of our classes are held at golf facilities and not at yoga studios. And I wanted to help people, you know, play, play better golf and enjoy the game that they love more. And, you know, one of our taglines is play better, play longer, and play stronger. And, you know, for us, as we know, and I'm sure for most of the listeners, golf is not just a sport, but it's an integral part of our lives. And if we don't take care of our bodies and our minds, you know, we can lose that. And I don't want to see that happen to anyone. Yeah, I, I agree. Well said. What some of the misconceptions do you think um, that people have with yoga that, um, you know, they, they see yoga on television or they see it, uh, you know, at some facility and they say, well, that's not for me. Explain some of the misconceptions that maybe people might have and, and some of the benefits. I mean, you've named a few, but name some of the real benefits that yoga can have for, for an individual. Well, I, I, I don't know if I would generally speak to yoga as the kind of general yoga. I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, I can speak more to the Yoga for Golfers program. I mean, our program okay. is based in golf biomechanics. So, we talk about how to use gravity and ground reaction forces to generate more power, how to use flow yoga to dynamically warm up your body and prepare yourself, you know, for the explosive mo movement of the golf swing, which is, if you think about it, right, you know, you have to create explosive movement from a static position. It, you know, it's quite physically demanding. Um, you know, we use restorative type of yoga to help people post rounds to reduce fatigue and soreness. Uh, you know, um, so I think I think when it, when I look at you know um, the yoga that you can get on you know in a lot of yoga studios, it's very different than the yoga that we deliver. 
And, you know, some people like, right. you know, down dog is a very common yoga position. I very rarely do down dogs because most of my golfers have already have extreme posture, you know, a kyphotic thoracic mobility. And I need to make sure that they are doing more of a cat-cow pose versus a downward-facing dog so that we can alleviate that C-posture. So everything that we do is based in golf, right? And the other thing is I would say whether you're doing a yoga for golfers program or just a yoga program, the thing that's most important is that you work with an instructor that understands how to modify for all types of people in the room that they understand, mm-hmm. you know, common golf injuries, how to modify for that, um, and that they, you know, that they walk around and they do hands-on adjusting. I mean, I don't think it's really good to walk into a room of 60 people with a yoga instructor on a mic who's, like, banging out some killer, you know, jams and, and, and doesn't, really, <laughs> doesn't really come around and help the individual. You know, not that those classes are bad. Yeah. I'm just talking about for our demographic. Right. No, I, and I would agree with that. And, and also, like you said, that, you know, you have to have modification uh, in the programs as well, because not everybody, as we know in golf in general, not everybody's built the same and designed the same. Uh, everybody has a uniquely different swing. So, you know, it's not always a one size fits all, uh, even in golf. So, um, yeah, that's that's extremely important. Um, Cindy, I, I know that you uh, probably have some questions for Catherine as well. I have two. I The first question is, if there was a program, Yoga for Golfers, in your area, how would you find out about it? What, how long does the program last? Is it ongoing all the time, all year, or is it specific six weeks, eight weeks? Tell us about that. Well, on our website, um, which is yogaforgolfers.com, it's F-O-R, we have what's called a, you can go to uh, YFG Instructors, and you can link on to find one. And we have a locator there. So you can go there and you can look for an instructor within, you know, a 10-mile radius, 50-mile radius, 100-mile radius. Connect specifically for that instructor in the area. That's one way, one way that we deliver them. You know, Cindy, we're doing, you know, we do clinics. We do, um, we do ongoing classes, you know, depending on the time of year. Uh, they're either outdoors on the back of the range or indoors, you know, in, in the facility, in the ballroom or in the dining room. But, um, you know, we just finished, I'll just share this with you. Uh, we, uh, mm-hmm. I teach a lot up at Troon North. I do a lot of work with Troon Golf. And the director of instruction there, Doug Hammer, and I just did a four-week ladies' power clinic. And it was every Saturday for an hour. Uh, we put the ladies on track man on session one and session four. And every woman was able to increase their club head speed um, by you know, uh, two miles per hour, which, which instantly relates to more distance. We had one woman in four weeks that was driving the ball 30 yards further than she was the week during the first session. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yes. I'm coming over. (laughs) We'll come over, Cindy. You know, we always have a spot for you, girl. (laughs) So anyway, but what I was going to say is that we have, you know, so we have we have clinics going on around the country. We have, um, you know, ongoing yoga for golfers classes. Like, again, up at True North, I teach a class up there on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5. Those kinds of sessions are going on all over the country. And people can find out where they are. But I do want to just make one suggestion. If someone is new 
to yoga or the Yoga for Golfers program, we have a really cool thing on our website. It's called the Golfers Profile. And what they can do is go to the website, click on the Golfers Profile. It'll ask you about 15 questions, everything having to do with, you know, your game, what your, you know, your fitness level, how do you prepare for your round. And based on that, and this is all complimentary, this is all free, based on that golfer's profile, the person will instantly receive in their email 10 different yoga for golfers progressions that they can do based, again, on on their profile and their answers. So if someone says, well, I don't really know where to start, that's a really great place to start. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and yeah, and it's important to to have in anything you do, whether uh, yoga for golfers or whether you know you're getting ready to uh, take lessons with somebody like Cindy or I. It's always good to have a, a proper assessment done first because it's very difficult for the the coach uh, or trainer uh, in your case to really be able to help somebody if they don't know what they're starting with. So it's always good to do that, and that's a great suggestion. Um, Cindy, sorry, yeah. go ahead. You had another question. Yes, and so this is changing the subject. Tell us about your new Human Performance Academy or um, your new business that you've started. So, you know, having done this for in the golf industry for 17 years, I've also been teaching um, yoga and Pilates and mindset conditioning in Major League Baseball for 15 years. I currently work for eight baseball teams as well as other work that I do training other athletes. So I work with, you know, jujitsu, MMA, Olympic weightlifters, you know, swimmers, triathletes. So what we did was we thought that we wanted to bring everything under kind of what we call a super brand, which is human performance for sports. And to your point, Ted, our tagline is assess, train, perform. Because... Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, very rarely will you walk in to have an experience of teaching, of taking, you know, yoga or I will say Pilates or um, where you're, where you are, um, you need to be assessed just to your point. Yeah. And so we use three right. different types of assessments to train our athletes. And so the human performance for sports program, I think really even gives, um, a more um, a more specific overview of what we really deliver. Again, it's not just the down dog, you know. It's the based in the right. biomechanics of sports. It's also very, very important that people understand that we help train the mind through the breath. And, and you know, to your point, before I came on, I heard you talking about, you know, being present. Ted, you even said the word one-pointed concentration. And, you know, I can tell you that from doing this for so many years, one of the things that we really see that's the game changer is when people are able to use the breath to slow down the pace of the game, to cultivate one-pointed concentration, you know, to be in total acceptance of whatever that shot is and leave it behind and move on. And this is the thing that that we've been coaching our athletes with, you know, again, for, you know, 17, 18 years. And so we felt that, creating the human performance, which is what we're doing. We're creating human performance for people that want to play sports. That's why we developed the new brand. Can you tell us, our listeners, about the three different, I'm sorry, Ted, about the three different assessments? What do you use? Yes. Well, one of the assessments we use is this is very foundational, and it is assessing gait. It's assessing how you walk. So, I have a fellow degree in chain reaction biomechanics. 
And that's another reason why we, you know, we're, we're sharing the, the new initiative of human performance. But one is gait. And so when you think about um, chain reaction biomechanics, what happens below affects above and what happens above affects below. So let's say I'm watching someone from, from behind as they walk and I'm watching them walk towards me. If they have pronated arches or flat feet, they most often have weak adductors and inner thighs. Now, you might say, well, what, is that, what does that have to do with anything for sports? When you look at the kinematic sequence, let's just stick to golf, right? When you look at how you look at the kinematic sequence, it starts in the feet to the top of your backswing, right? It goes from the feet to the hips to the T-spine to the shoulders and out to the club to the top of the backswing, right? We all in agreement with that? Absolutely. Right. So if I, have a, if I have a golfer that I'm working with and they are already starting out with flat feet and weak adductors, I can instantly tell you that they're probably going to have a problem creating an efficient hip turn. So gait is one of the ways that, that I assess my athletes. The other way that I assess them is in what's called it's a 3D matrix. So I have them move in an upright position standing in all three planes of motion so I can see starting in their feet where they might be lacking in stability or mobility or what side might, because, you know, golf is an asymmetrical sport just like baseball, where I can see that they right. might actually be stronger on one side than another side. So then I use this three-dimensional matrix to do it. The third way that I assess my athletes is I use various yoga poses to determine where they might be lacking mobility or stability. So we'll just use a very simple, you know, yoga pose, like a cat-cow pose. Everybody knows what that is, right? You're on your hands and your knees, right, and you're at your back, et cetera. So I know if they have trouble moving their lumbar and they can't create a posterior tilt, I can pretty much guarantee that through impact, they'll have a challenge creating a posterior tilt which means they can't activate their glutes, which means that they might be leaking distance. Wow. Hmm. So let's say that somebody wants to come to Scottsdale and work with you. Mm-hmm. What, well, I how many wait, days me, do you need to come? Right. Well, here's the thing that's really cool, Cindy. I have a huge amount of client base that I train over FaceTime. I have clients in, in Dubai and South Africa and New York and California and um, in Wales that I've never met in person that I train weekly over FaceTime. Wow. So people can either come to Scottsdale, and if they came to Scottsdale, I'd probably want to spend two days with them. But we also have what's called live remote packages over, uh, and you can purchase them on my website at Yoga for Golfers. You can purchase them on the website, which, by the way, with the holidays coming up, is a fantastic gift to the golfer in your life. You know, buy them like a package of four or eight or something. And, I've, you know, and I'm training people all over the world. And it's, you know what's great is that if you have somebody in your life that travels or for you, you know, listening, if you travel, we can train, I can train you in a hotel room. It doesn't matter where you are. That's awesome. Yeah. That was actually the question I was going to ask. Yeah. Me too. That was actually the question I was going to ask you, um, Catherine, was, you know, for those that maybe can't go to a facility uh, or maybe under time restrictions, uh, is this something that they can do as well? Like, let's say you have certain sessions that they can purchase uh, and FaceTime with, but let's say they're very, um, the way their job 
is structured that maybe their hours are, are such that they might have to do it at odd hours? Is there a way for folks like that to engage in your program as well? Yes, <clears throat> excuse me, yes, for sure. So um, what I do with the, the clients that I train on FaceTime is I have an app. And what I'll do is I'll upload an app with their exercises on the app. That's also all part of the live remote coaching package. And the only okay, people great. that have access to that app are myself and that individual or potentially their swing coach. Because the other thing, too, is that I really like to create a team around my athletes. So when mm -hmm. I'm working with a golfer, I absolutely have to see their swing. I like to see driver, seven iron, and putter face on and down the line. And, um, and then based on the – and I will assess them over FaceTime, and then I will – create the, the, their program on their app so no matter where they are in the world, they can practice it on their own. The other thing I would say is that for, for people that um, are, aren't interested in the live remote coaching, we also have digital media. We have instant videos for sale on the website. We just did two mm -hmm. new ones. Um, one is it's, it's called the Birdie Series, and one is developing a more balanced swing, and one is how to generate more endurance through your round which I will say in parts of the world that are cold right now, those are two instant videos that would be very important to get because you don't want to have spring roll around and you've been sitting around all winter and it takes you six weeks to get ready when you have a short season. You need to be working on your game during the winter months so that, you know, you're ready for the first tee, you know, when, when you know, after the first frost, you know? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, Catherine, this is something that I'm sure uh, you get faced with a lot, and I know you know how to handle this, so that's why I'm sort of setting you up for it. But, um, you know, somebody that maybe is in their 60s uh, might be listening to this and thinking, well, you know, I, you know exercise or that sort of thing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little too old for that. Explain why that's not the case, um, why this is something for people of all ages. Well, it's, I'll tell you why it's not the case. It's not the case because the way that we deliver the programs are all in building blocks. So, you know, we offer modifications. I will say, if this position is good for you, stay here. If there's a little bit more, go there. If there's a little bit more, go there. And that's how I teach, whether it's in person, you know, over FaceTime, on the DVDs, on the digital media content. That's just the way that I've been teaching for 20 years. Now, I'll also tell you, too, it's really interesting that, that like the Yoga for Golfers class we have going on right now at True North, we have, uh, we have um, the youngest client is 62 and the oldest one is 75. Wow. And twice wow. a week, twi twice a week, they come marching onto the back of the range and they all have a yoga mat and a yoga block and a yoga strap and a seven iron. And they, for years, and they have never, they never miss class. You know, they've created community. Um, they've now become friends. They play golf together. So I, I think it's, you know, it's never too late. But, you know, to your point, Ted, I think that's why a lot of people don't start, especially when you think about yoga. Because, number one, nobody wants to be embarrassed. Number two, nobody right. wants to get injured. And number three, they think it's going to be too hard. And the truth is, for some people, that is what they experience. But that's not what they experience in, you know, in a Yoga for Golfers program. Yeah, it's very low impact. I mean, uh, and that's what's nice mm -hmm. about it is it you know you're it's designed in such a way you know it's not like somebody's lifting heavy weights. One of the biggest problems that I see, Catherine, with 
people that get into some sort of a fitness program, especially for the guy, I'll, I'll preface this and say it's mainly the guys that have this issue, but, you know, they get into a weight program and they think, okay, well, I'm going to bulk up a little bit. And really that's not conducive to playing good golf. Um, certainly you want to develop muscles and that, but they need to be developed the right way. And that's really um, something that you do as well. I mean, you're not necessarily into the muscle development, but you're into muscle strengthening, if you will, to allow them to be able and core strengthening that sort of thing that is going to help them obviously uh, translate that out in the golf course, correct? Absolutely. You know, um, I, I'm actually, I'm a proponent of lifting weights for golf if it's done correctly. But let right. me tell you that if you, when you learn to use the force of gravity to create ground reaction forces, you are getting stronger, whether it's in some type of plank position or a standing yoga mm-hmm. pose. When you learn to use the ground, you would be amazed how strong you get. You know, the other thing I wanted to say is one of the things that, especially like this group of guys that I was just referring to, and we have ladies in that group as well, but, you know, 62 to 75, I think the single most important piece of feedback we get is that their balance it becomes exponentially better. Mm-hmm. And that's so Yeah, important. that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I would I would agree with that. That's extremely important, especially in in our sport. Um, Cindy, I know I know you probably maybe have another question or two. I'm just I'm flabbergasted at what you've done and created, and I, I'm so thrilled. And I am definitely going to the website because I need to get better. I'm getting older, and I need to get stronger, and I need to pay attention. So I thank you for being our guest. Oh, well, thank you, Cindy. And, you know, I just wanted to say something very briefly that I think one of the things that I see with women that we are really able to do is we're able to get them stronger. You know, for example, with Mm -hmm. this ladies' power clinic that I was sharing with you, I think that some women seem to feel like, oh, I need to get more flexible. I'm going to make a gross Mm -hmm. generalization here, so please forgive me. But the gross generalization is <laughs> the gross generalization is most women need to get stronger, not more flexible, right? And they right. need to know how to really use the ground and to coil efficiently and more powerfully. Now, again, that's a gross generalization. You know, I have another girl that's playing on the you know on the mini tour right now, and oh my god, you know, and this is this is to the point of the the younger female players. She is mind-blowingly powerful. You know, and so I think it's, you know, when, when you get kind of over a certain age, what we need to do is create that balance of flexibility, but help women to, to really harness their power. Um, Catherine, I want to ask you a question. You, you actually mentioned this one night uh, when you were on uh, the other show with me, uh, Golf Talk Live, and we talked about this. And I want you just to explain a little bit, because this is something that happens to a lot of people as we age. You talked about the importance of the feet, not just being flat-footed and that, but you talked about as we get older, um, how we don't feel um, the same as we walk. Obviously, our, our nerves and, uh, and, and our sensitivities are different, and that happens as people get older. Explain the importance and, and why, because that, obviously that's why you see a lot of senior shuffle and you talked about that and raised a very interesting point one night on a coach's corner panel can you explain a little bit more what what i'm getting at yeah what i was referring to is the concept of proprioception and proprioception is understanding where your body is in space in, in space in space you know being able to feel where your body is in space and what happens is that as we start to get older that level of proprioception becomes less and less And so 
you know, as why, that's why when you start to see people that are a bit older, they don't, they don't really use their feet as much, so they don't feel the connection to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And so then they start to get worried about falling, and then, you know, as the feet start to fall, and then as the upper back starts to get more rounded, and the vision starts to then not be on the horizon, but to be now focused down on the ground as they're walking, that's when you start to see people as they get older start to shuffle because they're not cultivating their proprioception. Now, let me just take it right into golf, you know. So the proprioception mm-hmm. is understanding, is, 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 you can connect it to the concept of feel, right? So if yeah, I'm out on right. the golf course and I'm trying to make a correction in the top of my backswing, and I'm not standing in front of a mirror, which, by the way, is why we don't use mirrors when we teach yoga for golfers, because I want people to learn how to feel it instead of seeing it. It gives them that awareness, that proprioception, that they, make, they can make their own corrections when they're, on, when they're out on the course. But, so it relates to golf, but it also relates to life. Yeah, and, oh, and I like that point. Yeah, I like that point. Um, one final thing real quick. Um, Catherine, and I know we, we need to let you go. Um, there's obviously a, a nutritional component to this as well. Um, we need to make sure. Now, I know you may or may not get uh, specifically into that, but I'm sure you um, do give some advice to, to your students in that. Um, obviously, eating better is going to ultimately yield some better results uh, in whatever we do. Um, is that something that you try to incorporate a little bit into your yoga for golfers is explaining the importance of good nutrition as well? Uh, or do you have uh, folks around you that, uh, that you may uh, refer that, uh, that discussion to? Yeah, I think, you know, whether I would refer it out or not would depend on the, the level of demand of that specific athlete. Um, I, I'm not a nutritionist transparently, but I know a lot about nutrition from doing this for, you know, my whole life. Um, right. I think, you know, people have heard this, you know, just in terms of going out and playing golf, you know, you just want to make sure that you're eating foods that have a low glycemic level. You know, it's funny, I'm training, training a kid right now and he's on the mini tour as well. And so we were talking about nutrition the other day and he said, well, I don't eat until noon. And if I do eat, I just have a bagel. And then he goes out to play 18 holes and he can't understand why he can't maintain his focus. You know, right. I mean, there's a direct correlation and I can just tie it. You know, just in terms of the importance of it, I can tie it into baseball. All of my major league baseball teams, you know, when I first started, a player would walk out of the locker room with, with a busted <clears throat> flakes and think that that was nutrition. You know, now all the teams have nutritionists on staff. The nutrition is a huge component, not just to, you know, obviously for life, but also for, um, you know, for performance. For me personally, when I go out on the course, I always have, you know, almonds, I might, might have a little thing of string cheese, you know, I will have, I'll have a cut up apple, you know, I mean, because for me, I'm, I kind of need to eat every two hours. Um, and so sure. if, I'm, if I'm out on the course and there's some slow play, I'm going to start to get angry and you're not going to like that. If I don't have food. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We, uh-huh. yeah, we hear you. We, we know, we can relate to that. Um, well, listen, Catherine, we want to, we know you got to go and, and, um, and uh, we have to wrap up too. But um, just very quickly, let the folks know if they want to get more information, where they can go. Uh, you have multiple websites, obviously, but uh, where they can go to learn more about Yoga for Golfers and uh, maybe uh, also the uh, Human Performance uh, website as well. 
Right. Well, for the if you if you're looking to um, do you know we'll get more information on the um, the yoga for golfers methodologies. Um, you can go to yogaforgolfers.com. F O R. Um, we also have um, a lot of information, more in-depth information, really on our methodologies as it relates to sports. On the human, mm-hmm. it's humanperformanceforsports.com. Um, you can purchase all the products and the programs on either website. Um, but all, you know, okay. if, if you're just looking for golf, I would go to the golf site. But if you also have, you know, people in your life that play other <clears> sports <throat> and you're interested in those methodologies, or you want to send a coach there, then Human Performance for Sports is definitely the way to go. And also, um, for those that maybe are interested in the certification uh, process, can yes. also contact you through those websites as well, right? Absolutely. So the Yoga for Golfers certification is done live, but it's also available online. Uh, that's why we have teachers all over the world that are getting certified. We have level one and level two online as well. And then the Human Performance for Sports certification will be in April in um, Scottsdale, and they can register for that on the Human Performance for Sports site. Perfect. Well, Catherine, we want to thank you for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We appreciate well, thank you taking time you too. out. To- and um, you know you always have an open invitation to come back anytime uh, when your schedule permits. So uh, continue with the uh, success and, and great websites uh, as, as well. And I'm going to visit your Yoga for Golfers website as soon as we're done here and, uh, and see what I can do. But um, thank you for joining us this morning, Catherine. Thank you, thank Ted. You, thank Catherine. you, Cindy. Have a great day. So good to talk to you. Thanks. You too, hon. Okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was our very special guest. Uh, Catherine Roberts, uh, founder and president of Yoga for Golfers. Go to Yoga for Golfers, that's F-O-R, uh, golfers.com, and also Human um, Performance uh, for Sports.com, as well as her other uh, site that you can check out as well. Well, Cindy, we've got to wrap it up. I know you've got a lesson to, to head to, and uh, as always, we are very grateful to our audience for tuning in faithfully each and every week, and our, our continues to grow each and every week as well. So we thank you for that. Uh, please help spread the word. Uh, you can get us on blogtalkradio.com uh, or you can get us at itunes.com or stitcher.com or th- three of our, our network platforms that you can tune into the show. So make sure you do that. And uh, we've only got a few shows left for 2017. Our last show is going to be December 12th. Uh, will be uh, our last uh, episode that will be airing for this year. And then we'll be firing back up in February after an extended break as we prepare for 2018. So February 6th will be the start date uh, for the women of golf for next season. So we hope you'll continue to listen the rest of this season and you'll jump right back in next season and take advantage of the uh, period in between to maybe listen to some episodes that you haven't listened to. So on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, uh, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for joining us uh, here on the women of golf and we will see you next Tuesday right here on uh, the women of golf. Thanks. Have a great week. Bye Cindy. Thanks Ted. Bye-bye.